Amen. Amen. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for um, the gathering of the saints, believers. Lord, we come here today to worship you, to be encouraged, Father God, and to be strengthened by your word. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for this time now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may have a seat. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good. Man, I've had a blessed week. It's been a great week. You know, um, I live, eat, breathe, and drink ministry. I love ministry. I love teaching. I love having fellowship with other believers. It just, just love it. Just love it. It's, it's, just been, it's been a really great week. And um, got to hang out with some friends Friday night, went out for dinner here in the church, and we had an awesome time. And it was, it was really good. It's been a really great week. Y'all ready to get in the Word this morning? Turn to Romans chapter 12. We're, looking at, we're only going to look at five verses this morning. Um, we're looking at uh, verses 3 through 8. And what we're looking at this morning is um, giftings the Holy Spirit gives to the body of Christ. And we've got to have them. We've got to have them. They're important. They make us effective. They, they make us effective not only in ministry, but in our family, in this world. And, and the Holy Spirit desires to give people gifts and callings. So if you're, if you're there, say amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. You, you good? All right, let's check out these uh, five verses here. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, or he who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality, and he who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Question for you this morning. Kind of transition into this message this morning. Who watched the Super Bowl this year? By show of hands, who watched the Super Bowl? It was a good game. It was a good game. And the question, as I was preparing my message and I was thinking about the Super Bowl and my message, you're like, what in the world world is he going? Was this, what makes the New England Patriots so successful? What makes that football team up in Massachusetts so great? (laughs) Okay, okay, there's a lot, there's a lot that can be said about the Patriots, but just a couple of statistics about them. Since 2001, they have made the playoffs 13 of the 15 seasons. I wish my team would make it that often. <laughs> but, uh, but they made it 13 of 15 seasons. How many Super Bowl rings do they have? Five. Five Super Bowl rings. This past Super Bowl, you know, I, I was pulling for the Falcons in the name of my grandfather, who was a diehard Falcons fan. But they were down 25 points in the third quarter. And they came back and won the game. And every one of us, I saw a couple posts on TV. I saw, I saw some people where this, these Falcon fans, they took their brand new flat screen TV and threw it up against the wall. 
People were very upset. But they are a very successful football team. So what is it? As, as I was looking at this the week, and here's the thing. Here's what Bill Belichick says to his players. His famous quote for the past 10 years is, do your job. He says, he tells his players, ignore the noise and do your job. There's a lot that can be learned from that statement. You know, there's a lot of noise in our life. There's a lot of things happening in our life. You know, there's a lot of things that will distract us from the things that matter most in life. And what we got to do as believers in Jesus Christ is we've got to ignore the noise in life, all the stuff that doesn't matter, and we've got to do our jobs as believers, as Christians. We got to, you, you've got to do your job. God has a calling. We're going to see in the scripture this morning on every single one of you, on every single one of your lives. God has a calling. God has a plan. He has a plan for Paul Dobeck that he's fulfilling, a plan for Emily, a plan for all you guys. And we've got to ignore the noise around us that distracts us. And we've got to do our job with the gifting that God has given us. Bill Belichick understands that each player has an important part. That, that each player is important. If, if, if one fails, the whole team fails. And they all got to synchronize and work together. Then wide receivers and the tight end, the running back, the offensive line, Tom Brady, the defense, all they have to work together to get their job done. For the church to be effective, each member, each one of us has to do our part. You have a gift inside you, a talent inside of you that God wants to use for his glory. Can I get an amen? God has a plan for Sasha's life. He has a, he's given her a gift to use in the kingdom. He's given the gift for you and I, for us to use in the kingdom. My question to you this morning is this. What is your gift? What is your calling? So that you can ignore the noise and do your job. You know, this gifting that we're going to see in Scripture, these gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, this is not exhaustive. Uh, there's, there's gifts of the Spirit in Romans chapter 12. There's gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There's, there's gifts in Ephesians chapter 4. But there's many more in Exodus chapter 31 that the children of Israel wandered through the, wandered through the wilderness. And they need, what, they need, what did they need? They needed a place to worship. So God anointed two men with the Holy Spirit, with wisdom. The very first time in Scripture we see the Holy Spirit at work in believers was in these two men so that they could build the temple and construction and construction and, and making the, art, the um, articles for the temple. So it's not just these gifts. These are not exhaustive. He, he gives gifts for people to use in the body. We've got to find, find out what they are in our life. What will make us effective is us using our gift, you using your gift in the body of Christ and at home. Amen? So let's pray. And we'll, go, we'll, go through, we'll look at these uh, five verses this morning. Father God in heaven, thank you for your word. As we go through this passage now, um, Lord, I pray even now that you show some people in their hearts and minds where you're calling them to do. Where, where you're calling them and what you're calling them to do, God. 
Give us gifts to build up the body and to strengthen the church that we can use in everyday life. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen. Amen. All right, Romans chapter 3, verse 3. Let's take a look at it. The Apostle Paul says here, For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, do not think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, the first principle we see here as Paul is going into these gifts. First thing he says here, it says, do not think more highly of yourself. The greatest enemy to you doing your job, operating in your gift, is pride. It's pride. Having a superior complex. Thinking I'm better than that person. Or I've got it all. I bring it all. And, and, and nobody else. That's not the way we think. Every single person in the body of Christ, every single person plays an integral part. But what will put us on the shelf quicker than anything or will stop us from operating in our gift is pride. Pride will take you out of the game. The head ball coach, you got too much pride. You're, 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 you're not staying humble and i got to pull you out. But pride will keep us from operating in our gift. Three places in Scripture. Proverbs 3.34, James 4.6, and 1 Peter 5.5 says this. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The key to operating in our gift is, is walking in humility, walking humbly before the Lord our God, and not letting pride creep in. Pride is self it's me, 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 I, 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 and me, 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 and I, 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 I. It's all about me. But we can't make it about that. We've got to make it about him and stay humble. And then we're, we're called to, um, to walk in humility. To walk in humility. What does that mean? That means we say, thank you, Lord, for this opportunity I have to minister. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you've given me to talk to the students and do ministry to the students. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the opportunity to teach children's church. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity for one brother to go over to another brother's house and help him out with his house. For a brother to grab another brother and do breakfast together. Let's get into one another's hearts and minds and see what's going on. Thank you, Lord, for these opportunities. We have, to, we, have to ask our question, we have to ask ourselves as we walk in humility, how can I serve? How can I serve? I was, um, Billy Graham was once being interviewed by Larry King. Uh, on, I think he's on CNN News or one of them, but y'all know what I'm talking about, Larry King. Billy Graham was being interviewed, and, and um, Larry King asked Billy Graham, he says, what's the one thing that you're going to ask God when you get to heaven? What's the big grandeur question? What's the big theological question that nobody can answer in this world. You know, and everybody's bracing themselves for some kind of apologetic question, some big question. And Billy Graham says, the question I'm going to ask, why me? Why me? That's the heart we got to have, is just to stand in awe, to stand in amazement at what he's done. That's a team player. 
That's somebody that's ready to go into the game. Somebody that says, hey, you know what? Coach, put me in. I'll go, I'll serve, and I'll, I will give you, I'll give you thanks, Lord, and, and I'll do it with humility. And then it says there in, in verse 3, it says, we're to, we're to have sound judgment. We need to understand that each and every person has a unique purpose in the kingdom of God. Regardless of who they are, their age, or, or whatever. I mean, whatever the dynamic of the person is, every person plays a unique part in God's kingdom. We got to do this, guys, to have sound judgment. We got to find our gift and we got to use it. And I'm going to close this message. I'm going to give you four, four points to help you discover your gift if you don't know it already. But continuing in verse three, it says, um, <clears throat> God has allotted, look at that keyword, God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Okay, to each a measure of faith. Every believer has a part. Now, statistics in the church in America is about 20% of the church does 80% of the work. That's the, that's the average going. But we got we to gotta change that. You know, we got to change that. We got to get 80% of the church, get them plugged in and getting involved. You know, and that's my heart. As people come into our church and we get to know them, we get to know them, they get to know us, we form a relationship, we form family. You know, I want to give people a place to serve. I want to give people a place to serve in the body of Christ because I understand that God has given to each person a measure of faith. Every believer plays a part. Amen? All right, let's look at verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Here it is, guys. God looks down from heaven. He does not see Baptist. He does not see Presbyterian. He does not see Methodist. He does not see Pentecostal. He sees one body. He sees a people, an organism of people across the world that are serving him. There's one body of Christ with many members. Some of us are Pentecostal. Some of us are not. Some of us are Baptist. Some of us are Presbyterian. Some of us are Calvary Chapel. Some of us are non-denominational, whatever. But we're all one body. And we can't see ourselves as separate. We're all one body. And we have many members. And so it is with our body here as a, as a local congregation. We're one body with many members. And we all play an integral part the same way that the human body is made up. You have a heart, lungs, brain, bones, toes, hands, fingers, eyes. So are we as an organism, as a body. We, have many, we play different parts. And we have to, you have to find your part in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. Unfortunately, uh, the church today has a consumer mentality. They, ha they have a consumer mentality. They think, you know, what can the church do for me is, is how we view churches. That's the culture today in the Western world in America is, well, how can this church help me? How can this, what can this church do for me? How many remember that speech, inauguration speech, 1961? 
What did JFK say? He said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what can you do for your country? There's a lot to give me learn from that statement. We need to look at the body of Christ and, and, and our Christian walk and say, what can I bring to the table? How, how can I strengthen believers? What can I do? Verse 6. Since we have, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. All right, now we come to this word gifts. The Greek word is charisma, from whence we get the word charismatic or charisma. This word means it's it's the ability to serve the body of Christ. It's talents that God gives us so that we can encourage the body of Christ, we can strengthen the body of Christ, and we can bring unity to the body of Christ. That's very important. That's what the gifts are, to bring unity to the body. But unfortunately, we see it divides the body of Christ. People, um, you got you got the pendulum. You got the pendulum on the left. Well, all the spirit, all the gifts have ended. Then you got the pendulum on the right. They're swinging from the chandeliers, <laughs> and, and there's there's two pendulums, and, and I and, and I think according to First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve verse one, that there, there's there there can be some ignorance in the body of Christ. People that say no, there's no more gifts. And then people that abuse them, they're meant for unity. They're meant to bring the body together. And they're meant to be used within the body to build us up. Um, the source of the gifts, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. He's the one, the one dwelling on the inside. He, he manifests these gifts in us. It makes us uh, a powerful and effective in our ministry, in your calling, in your gifting, the Holy Spirit, that's what he'll do. He will make this gift powerful and effective so you can use it for his glory and so that you can use it to bring change in people's lives. They're not to be feared. They're not to be feared. They're gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, and they're tools. They're tools to help us build up one another. They're tools to help us lift up one another. So let's take a look at them. Let's take a look at them. You know, as I was, as I was thinking about these gifts this week, the thing that kept coming to my mind was a soldier preparing to deploy to Iraq or Afghanistan. Before any soldier deploys to Iraq or Afghanistan, he has to be equipped. He's got to get all of his medical records done. He's got to get all of his shots. He's got to go through a central issue facility, get all of his equipment and God wants to do the same for us. He wants to equip us for the battle. He wants to equip us to be effective in ministry. So let's look at these seven gifts. Second half of verse 6 says, If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Now what is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking forth God's word with instruction and exhortation to a person's life. That's what it is. It's speaking into someone's life something the Lord has placed on your heart to give to that person. It's taking the word of God and and applying it to a believer's life, to a believer's future, 
to what God is going to do in the life of that believer. But notice, very, very important, this gift here. It says, uh, if prophecy according to the, it says there, to the proportion of his faith. That's important there. And to the proportion of his faith. The, I like what the Holman Christian Standard Bible says. Use it according to the standard of one's faith. There's three rules when you start talking about prophecy. Three rules. They're kind of the same rule, but I want to cover all three of them when we start talking about prophecy. First off, rule number one when it comes to prophecy is always in accordance with the Word of God. It's always in accordance with the Word of God. If it doesn't agree with the Word of God, uh, deep six it. That's, that's an old Navy term for flush it down the toilet. Get rid of it. It's always in alignment with the Word of God. There's never new doctrine. There's never new doctrine. Scripture, the Word of God, is final. It's all sufficient for everything. And God will use what's written in this Word to give someone a prophetic word for someone else. Uh, Jude, Jude 3 says, Contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all handed down to the saints. There's never no new theology. The word of God is final. It always has to be in accordance with God's word. And if it disagrees with either one of these, it's not good. Every claim, every claim to prophecy, every claim to what people call a prophetic word, it needs to be examined and scrutinized very closely and very articulately by what? The Word of God. The Word of God. It always has to line up with God's Word. If it doesn't line up with the Word of God, it's not prophecy because His Word is final. And the Holy Spirit, this one that dwells within us, is the same Holy Spirit that gave us the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is going to speak this right here. The Holy Spirit is going to speak His Word. But he's going to give us, it's like all of a sudden, you're, you know, I'm, I'm praying for John, I'm talking to John, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit gives me a Bible verse. It says, share this with John. That's a prophetic word. John, I was reading the scriptures, man, and I, I, I read this passage, and it just, whoop, it just came out at me. And i got to share this verse with you, and now I think it applies to your life. That's how the Holy Spirit works when it comes to prophecy. Verse 7 Let's look at the next one. This is called service or serving. Some of your uh, Bible versions say ministry. If service in his serving or ministry, as some of your verses say, this is the heart of Christianity. This is the heart of Christianity. This is putting our hands to the plow and serving the body of Christ. Whether it's preparing meals, working with students, working with children, building our website, doing sound, uh, ladies' ministry, women's ministry. It's serving. It's putting our hands to the plow. What is God calling you to put your hands to to the plow to? What's he calling you to do in ministry? There's so many ministries that can be in the church. Is ministry is, is building up the body of Christ. It's building up the body. It's building up the body. You know, um, Me and Irene have a very tight schedule. Very tight schedule. And um, very little time, very little downtime uh, with, with, with ministry, which I love. I love it, love it, love it. I eat 
I eat, breathe, and drink it, love ministry. You know, but taking care of the girls, um, Summer in Carolina, and taking care of our family. But there was a couple here in the church. They took us out Friday night. And that was such a ministry. They took us out. And for the first time, and it seemed like forever, we're out having dinner, sitting around the table, eating a delicious steak and talking and having fellowship. And then after that, we head downtown to a coffee shop down there in the Vista. So we're, we're hanging out with this couple down in the Vista. That was such a ministry to us. We left there, and our batteries were recharged. So it's ministry can be in so many different ways where you work with the, where you build up the body of Christ. But ministry is so effective. You know, serve the Lord in ministry. It's the heart of, of Christianity. And then the next one here, it says, um, I think this is number three, or he who teaches in his teaching. Now, what is this? It's what it says it is, is, is communicating truth from the Bible. It's communicating, it's being effective in communicating truth from the Bible. It's teaching the, God's word, teaching the meaning of the text, and then bringing application for 2017. Bringing application, how it applies to our life today. How does the text apply to our life today? 2 Timothy 3.16 says this. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It's like, uh, what's, what do the football players go to every August? What do they call that? Um, um, summer camp or, yeah, all that stuff. Anyway, it's, 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 they, before the football season begins, they start preseason and, and all the practices and all the training. Well, us as Christians, we have to go through the same type of training and practice by learning God's word. It says, it's profitable. God's word, the Bible, is profitable to all of you guys for teaching you, for reproof, for correction, and for training. Training you in the ways of the Lord. Training you in what his word says. But check this out, though. When it comes to this gift of teaching, it's a serious calling. It's a very serious calling that people need to examine closely before they jump into this gift. Because James 3.1 says this, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. The ministry of teaching God's word and communicating his truth, it, it, we will be judged more severely. I will stand before God one day, and I will be judged based on how I taught God's word. Did I teach the truth, or did I water it down? You know, there's a, there's a temptation in ministry for, um, to make it softer, to make it more palatable, to, to make people like it more. You know, that's not my heart. That's not my heart. Uh, Paul says in Galatians chapter 1, he says, if you are seeking to um, please men, you're not pleasing Christ. My goal in teaching Scripture and teaching the Bible is, is not to be um, acceptable to you, but to be acceptable to God. That I'm faithful to Him in proclaiming His Word. You know, I don't want to offend people, but I'm not going to shy back from teaching the truth. 
And that's why in 2007, when I came to Calvary Chapel, I was like, this is where me and Irene are planting our roots. Because the pastors, the Calvary Chapel I visited in Arizona, Calvary Chapel Lexington, the pastors have a deep-rooted commitment to teaching God's Word. And I said, oh, that's what I want. That's what I want. My philosophy before I became a pastor, when we first started going to Calvary Chapel, was this. Man, if I'm going to get up early on Sunday morning, and I'm going to get breakfast down, little Daniel and, and Emily, I'm, I'm going to get them fed, and I'm going to get them dressed, and go through all that rigmarole to get to church at 9 o'clock. Pastor, please teach me that Bible. That was how I felt. And that's why I fell in love with Calvary Chapel Lexington. Because Pastor John would just teach the word. He would just teach the Bible. That's when we go out of town, we find a Calvary Chapel. Because I know what I'm going to get. I know that the, the teachers, these people with this gifting of teaching, are going to teach the Bible. I know what I'm going to get. Because they understand we're going to be judged more severely based on how we teach the word of God and that we're faithful to it. Let's look at the next one. Verse 8. Or he who exhorts in his exhortation. This is the ability to admonish. You know what I like to call this? This is called the spiritual boot ministry. You might, you might know what I'm talking about. This is people that have that gift to get people going. It's like, come on, guys, let's go. It's people that have that ability to say, man, get off the bench and get in the game. It's, it's, it's that person in your life that, that encourages you and pushes you out of your comfort zone. You're like, oh, this is my comfort zone. I'm, I'm, I'm nice here. I'm good. I'm comfortable. And that person comes along and pushes you out of that comfort zone. That's what this is talking about, that person that exhorts, that person that pushes you. And we need those strategically placed throughout the body of Christ to keep us always moving forward. You know, um, as me and John meet, if, if I'm not pushing you, if I'm not pushing your buttons, if I'm not giving you a little nudge, then we just need to stop. You need, I need to challenge you. Same way you need to challenge me. Same way with the ladies and women's Bible study. We need to be exhorting one another, pushing people forward. Now, as we look at these gifts, you may say, well, David, isn't everybody supposed to have these gifts? People should have all these to a certain measure. But in the context of Romans chapter 12, these are people that God has given that extra measure. And we need them in our church. People that exhort us. People that push us out of our comfort zone. People that say, stop sticking your toes in the water. Stop seeing if the water's warm or cold. Just go in. Woo! Boosh! And jump in. Sink or swim, baby. Go. Just do it. Um, get people going. We got to have them. The next one there. He who gives with liberality. This is a person who above and beyond shares their wealth. They share their wealth. They give generously. They give generously. Churches need them. You know, it takes finances. It takes finances to, to do ministry. It takes finances to pay the rent, pay the electricity, to pay for all this stuff. Um, you know, we, we've been blessed greatly here at Calvary Chapel financially, and I praise the Lord for that. But it's because people give, and, and people give with liberality. But there's people that will go above and beyond that and give, and, and we're very thankful for those people. Um, but it, it is a gift. 
to, to, to give above and beyond extra. The next one there is uh, he who leads with diligence. We've got to have leaders in the church. We've got to have leaders. What's a leader? A leader is a person with organizational skills. People that can think a lot and strategize. It's, it's uh, people that see a mission. People say, okay, there's our mission, there's our focus. And it's, it's that leader, is that person who can take those people, get the crew going, and go accomplish that mission. That's what this gifting of the Holy Spirit is when it talks about a person who leads, lead with diligence. A person who has organizational skills, they see a mission, and they can lead people to accomplish that mission. Got to have leaders. Got to have givers. Got to have people that exhort. Got to have Bible teachers. Got to have people that can serve. Let's look at the next one. Number seven, I believe. It says, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Again, this is above and beyond. We're all called to show mercy. But this, is per, this, this, gift of, this special gifting of mercy, this person has a big, big heart. They have a big heart and a big heart of compassion for people that are broken and people that, that, that are, um, need compassion, who need to be healed from the uh, things of the past. It's people that can say, been there, done that. You know, I have a big heart for people who are addicted to drugs, alcohol, pornography, people that are bound to drugs, to prescriptions, to people that are just bound. Why? Because I've been there. Been there, done that, all of the above categories, and I've been set free. I've found freedom from all of those things that once held me down. And now, I have a heart of mercy. I have a heart of compassion towards people who are handcuffed in those areas of their life. Because I believe God can deliver them, God can heal them, but I have compassion on them. Because I know it's a fight. It, it, it is a fight when, when you're bound by addiction. You know, it's a mental fight. The, the war is in the mind. The war is in the heart. And there's people within the body of Christ that have an extra measure of mercy to show compassion to those people. Because nine times out of ten, in their mind, they're thinking... They think the way the world thinks, and people are going to condemn me. People are going to throw me, throw, me out, throw me out in the garbage pile. But there's those of us who lead the way in showing mercy and compassion for the rest of the body of Christ to follow. But they've been given an ability above and beyond to show mercy with cheerfulness. And nine times out of ten, I have found it's because they've been there, done that. You know, I made it through the fire, my friend. So can you. Let's go. Amen? Amen. Um, so there it is. There you have these seven giftings of the Holy Spirit that we're looking at this morning. You know, where is God calling you? What area of your life, not what area of your life, but what is God calling you to do in the body of Christ? This ain't exhaustive. 
There's more gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4. Really throughout the whole entire Bible, we see all these different giftings that the Holy Spirit does in people's lives. But let me share this with you, though. This is very important. What, what, what gets in the way of our gifts? What gets in the way of our gifts? I'm going to give you three things that get in the way of us operating in our gift. What will coach, what will ball coach say, come on, you're off the field. You, you're, you're, not, you're not working. It's, it's not working well. The first one, as we said a while ago, is pride. It's having a haughty spirit, thinking you are God's gift to everyone. You are the man. You've arrived. And everybody's to listen. It's called pride. It's called pride. And that will get you pulled out of the game. That will get you put on the bench so you can learn <laughs> to be humble. So number one that, that, that gets in the way of our spiritual gifts is pride. Number two is unbelief. Just simply unbelief. I don't believe it. I don't, I don't, believe, in, I don't, I don't believe in these gifts that's talking about. And um, you just reject it because of unbelief. That'll get in the way. You got to believe. You got to believe. You got to have faith. And the gifts will flow in your life. Third way is, uh, and this is, a, this, this is a temptation for us all, and that's tradition. Tradition. Our Christian walk becomes our religious walk. We go through the motions week after week, and there's no heart involved. We just go to church, you know, we say our bedtime prayer, but there's no heart being stirred. There's no heart being stirred because we've gotten into a, a mold, just a, a, a tradition. You know, we just we go to Sunday mornings just to check the block. We can't do that, man. We got to come here to a church with excitement, with anticipation that God is going to speak through someone else to me. God, you're going to give me a word of encouragement. You're going to get, get me a word to get me through this hard time I'm going with. That's why, that's why we come to church. And if you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and things are hurting and things are down, that's the last thing you want to do is not come to church. You want to come to church so someone can speak life into you. You want someone to, uh, to come speak life into you, to speak to your heart, and not just going through the motions. You want the Holy Spirit to minister to you when you come here on Sunday mornings, through the worship, through the teaching, through the fellowship. And as I said, these gifts, we all should have a certain measure of these, but there's people within the body that lead the way in these, in these gifts. The gifts are in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Um, you, as I'm, I'm going to close with this, you are on a team. Each and every one of you guys are on a team. It's not a football team. And you're not chasing the Lombardi Trophy, which is, I always wonder every time the Super Bowl, you see it being walked down the middle by Michael Strahan and those guys. What are all those guys doing? They're kissing it. Disgusting. I mean, no way, man. I wouldn't touch my lips. I think you see all these guys touching it and rubbing it and kissing it. That's gross. But we're not chasing a Lombardi Trophy. We are going after something even greater than the Lombardi Trophy. We're going after the crown of heaven where we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. And, and, and he gives us the crown and then we take it and we place it back at his feet. 
and we tell him how worthy he is. That's our trophy. That's our trophy. Every person has a part to play. Every person has a part to play in this body. And as a pastor of this church, as we grow, I will give people places to serve. As they grow, as they mature, as they show themselves faithful, we are going to grow this body of believers. And we're going to make it strong. And we're going to make it effective. So that we can, as we talked about, being alive, alive in Christ, alive in God's word, alive in fellowship, alive in the community. So, so as people find their gifts, as the Holy Spirit gives them their gifts and they understand it. So, closing with this this morning, how do I discover my gifts? I'm going to give you four, four, four statements on how to discover your gift of what the Holy Spirit has given you. Not what you think up in your mind, but what's genuine and what comes to, from the Lord. Number one, you got to pray and you got to ask God. That sounds elementary, but it's true. You got to do it. You got to pray and say, Holy Spirit, Father God in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, show me what gift you have for me to give to the body of Christ that I can build up my family at home, that I can build up the body of Christ and I can be effective. You got to pray and you got to ask the Lord. That's the first thing you got to do. You got to call on him and ask him to show you. Second thing, second question I'm going to ask you is, is um, God operates where? In our hearts. You agree? That's where he operates. He operates in our hearts. So my question to you is, where's your passion? Where is your passion? A lot of times, God operates, the Holy Spirit gives us a passion. He gives us a burden for what he wants us to do. Where is your passion this morning? Where, as you move forward in discovering your gifts, where is your passion? I believe you'll find the answer there. Thirdly, number one is pray and ask the Lord. Number two is where is the passion of your heart uh, in discovering your gift? And number three is ask a close friend. Ask a close friend, a family member. You know, oftentimes, those that, that we know the best and that we're close with, they, they'll, they'll recognize your gift off the, off the get-go. You know, I'll, I'll go to Rick or, or, or my wife, Irene, or, or, or one of you guys, and, and you know my gifts. You, you know how I operate because you see me in my everyday life. But ask a loved one. Ask a friend a close friend that you trust, and say, what gifts do you see in my life? A lot of times people will see them before you see them. Or <laughs> in your humility, you'll just be like, you know, you won't, it won't allow, allow you to see it. So a lot of times you have to ask people. Ask a close friend. Um, and then finally, the fourth step, if you want to call it, to discovering your gift is jump in. Sink or swim, jump in. You know, we all go to the edge of the pool of water every year in May, June. What do we do? Stick our toe in there. Whoo, it's a little cold. You know, or we're going to, whoo, it's a little warm. You know, and we're sitting there debating whether we're going to jump in or not. Man, just jump in. Literally, just jump in. Just say, Lord, I'm going to serve you in church. I'm going to go and I'm going to serve and, and, and just jump in. And, and if it's not your calling, God will let you know. But sometimes... People are waiting for this voice from heaven. And I don't know if that voice from heaven is going to come. 
David, go here. I'm just going to go. And Lord, you open and close the doors. You, you show me the path that you have for me. But just jump in. Throw yourself in. Lord, I'm serving you this way. And a lot of times, he'll open the doors and he'll direct you. But this is the key. When I say jump in, what really I'm talking about is taking a step of faith. Taking a step of faith. The worship team can begin making their way back up. Um, you got to take a step of faith. And, and don't let no one tell you that you can't be effective. Don't let no one come against you and be negative in this area. The Word of God says He gives gifts to all. To each is what it says. A measure of faith according to the NASB. And I, 1995, I don't hold it against him. I, I, I hope that he just, he didn't mean to say it. It just kind of slipped or whatever. But um, I don't hold it against him. Anyway, 1995, I went to my pastor and I said, I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. And I knew God was calling me to do that. But I went to this pastor, and he, he pretty much talked me out of it. He pretty much talked me out of it. Well, <clears throat> you see, David, you're going to have to go off to seminary for eight years, and you're going to have to spend all this money, and you're going to have to do this and do this. And, you know, I just really don't see that in your life. That's what he told me. I was a pastor in 1995. And I was discouraged, but I knew in my heart God had called me to be a pastor. Don't let no one discourage you from your calling. Don't let no one stand in the way. You know, I, I chalk it up as him just not thinking straight. And Lord bless them guys, and they go on about their business and being effective in, the, in their ministry in West Columbia. But um, don't let no one tell you anything different God will call you he will equip you and he will make you effective as you surrender yourself to him amen um, let's pray Father God in heaven I thank you Lord Father I've spoken from your word faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ Lord, I pray now that people, your people, would see their gift, would see their calling, what you've given them to bring to the body of Christ. Lord, if they're unsure, Lord, I pray that they will, um, that you'll show them, Lord, that you'll show them. Father, your word says in Philippians 1, 6, he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You have a gifting. You have a calling. For each and every one of us. All of us. Lord, help us at Calvary Chapel Irmo to, as Paul said to Timothy, help us to fan the flame 
Help us to fan the flame in one another so that we can bring our gift and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, Father. Amen.